Dedication March. Road to Boston. The Harriet. When you just told me a few minutes ago that we were doing this thing on Gilderay, I, I went to Google to really quick just see who this person was, and I typed in G-I-L-D-A space R-A-Y. That's because you you misspelled it. Gills G I L S and then Deray's R A I S. Well, you should have said he was a fucking Frenchie. I would have spelled it. So speaking of of awkward sex creeps, um, or I should say alleged awkward sex creeps. Um, That's my nickname. Today, Today we're going to be talking about uh, Gil DeRay. Um, Gil, Gil DeRay is somewhat notable. Um, he has a reputation for being a medieval serial killer. When that that is somewhat alleged, um, there, there's no real confirmation that Gil DeRay actually committed the crimes that he was accused of, um, and that he might have possibly been a been a victim of sort of intrigues that were going on that time in France. You said medieval serial killer. Okay. Um, you had my interest before, but now you have my attention. Uh, uh, well, he'll get you even more when you realize uh, wh- who he killed. Allegedly. Who allegedly. did he allegedly kill? You, could, uh, like, you, you have can, to say like, allegedly or Gil DeRay's lawyers are going to be after us. Or, Is he or still someone will... No, I have to say allegedly <laughs> or Caster's going to involve me in the Grail War. Yeah. So, it, it, here's the thing. <clears throat> When you just told me a few minutes ago that we were doing this thing on Gilderay, I I went to Google to really quick just see who this person was, and I typed in G I L D A space R A Y, nothing. Well, that's because you you misspelled it. His name is Gills G I L L E S, and then Deray's R A I S. Well, you should have said he was a fucking Frenchie. I would have spelled it Gilderay. You would have. You would have Gills Ray spelled that way just sounds was, like some Southern California car modifier. I was spelling it like Gilda Radner. I mean. If I had, if I had told him he was French, you know, he would have written it all français, and then he would have gotten it correct. I would have twirled my mustache while I was typing. These so are Gilda Ray headers I have on this Edelbrock I, engine. I think Ray's isn't actually French. I think it's, um, I think it's Breton. Because it is a place in Brittany, so I'm I'm not entirely sure that it is French. Mm-hmm. Um, so so to get us started, just, just give you an idea of what's going on in France in this time. Um, France is engulfed in what's called the Hundred Years' War. Um, the Hundred Years' War started in 1337, and, and it, it ended in 1338, <laughs> <laughs> owing to the name the Hundred Years' War. Um, it just it, it felt it, that long. And it ended in 1453, so it actually goes on longer than 100 years. Um, the The warfare isn't constant. There are periods of peace, and there are um, about three different like periods of the war. I feel like okay. we're going to have our war in the Middle East is going to be the Hundred Years' War Part Deuce. <laughs> the Forever War. We're yeah. working on it. Yeah. It, it's like those uh, those cartoons and jokes about the Brexit negotiators coming in the far future and not remembering, you know, listen, listen, like let why me tell they're you, there. Let me tell you how upset I am. I am so goddamn blue-balled by Brexit. Like, I want something to just fucking happen already. Like, I don't even care if it just descends into worldwide chaos. I just need something to happen. How Irish are you? Like, uh, your family? My great-grandmother came over here 
and great grandfather uh, came over here. For okay, so it was like two generations back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm either second or third generation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm Brexit, close enough that I can apply uh, to get Irish for citizenship. Citizenship yeah, you, over there. Yeah. Yeah. You should, you should. You should do it too. You should really do it. That's a that's a European Union passport. Yeah, yeah. It's just a um, huge pain in the ass to get. I actually my know a girl. Together. I know a girl in DC, who, and that's what she does. But um, yeah. <clears throat> I used to. I don't know if she still does it. But uh, I was gonna say like Brexit ending would not be good. For Ireland, allegedly, because it would fuck up the good, uh, what was it, the, the good, good Friday, Friday Accords. Yeah. Yeah. And then the IRA comes back, and they're not yeah, they, gone. That's, that's one of the issues they have, where they keep talking about how, you know, that there won't be a hard border, and then and then Boris will say, like, oh, there won't be a hard border, and Bojo. then he goes on to describe, yeah, Bojo, Bojo the Clown <laughs> goes on to describe a hard border. <laughs> And then everyone's like, no, that's that's exactly that's exactly an, a hard it's, border. It's it would literally be an international border. It has to be a hard border. It's an international border. He he says like it won't be and that like there'll be like custom places like nearby or whatever, and it's like, well, regardless if they get like a fast track status, it's still a customs like thing they have to go through. It's still a border. You know, yeah, the border what needs the to border happen is Go ahead. I was just say, like, you know, the border between Canada and the U.S. is still, like, a border. Even though you just, like, show them your driver's license and they wave you through most of the yeah, time. Yeah, go ahead on through there. Oh, yeah, E, you're going to get some Molson Olden. Oh, Molson hey, Canadian hey, double X, eh? Maybe syrup up in New North, eh? Hey, Make while sure you're up you don't here, spend too much money at the peelers there, eh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't if if a Mountie comes by and he's not wearing bright blood red, that's not a real Mountie. <laughs> Now that we've offended various ethnic groups in the first five minutes, um, the only other thing it's I was going to say is that uh, Northern, Ireland, <laughs> Northern Ireland needs to vote for reunification because in the Good Friday Agreements, if Northern Ireland votes and a majority votes for it, they can reunify with Ireland proper. Like that's honestly what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. That is well, we, probably we all, the best we all final dream. solution. We we all lust for a thirty-six county socialist republic of Ireland, but oh. you know. My God, these Mother of God. Well, anyway, we'll speaking of the Irish, Gilda Ray was French. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Gil- Gilda Ray was. Um, I believe he was. Um, he was entirely French. It it, it it seems to be that his family. will we'll get to that. He he is from two notable French um, noble families. Um, though he did, um, he was very much connected to Ray. The the Ray are. Uh, um, to Brittany, the the Ray in his name is is in is in Brittany, so it is not uh, in France proper, which which I'll sort of talk about when I get to Brittany. Okay. Um. So so the Hundred Years' War started when England and France um, they had been at odds since the Norman conquest of England because the Normans are um, or were nominally French. Um, originally, they were they were sort of Vikings that settled in the north of France. Um, but they, they, they sort of held French territory and that the Norman monarchs of, of England, who eventually became English, um, they still retain their holdings in Normandy and Calais and those, those areas on the French coast. Um, and so the, the French always wished to keep the ambitions of the English in check and the, the Normans, later English, they wanted to protect and expand their holdings in France. Hey, English, how about you stay in your lane, huh? <laughs> Um, and the the French too would, would do things like us no soldier Frenchman. 
<laughs> Stupid English. <laughs> I'm Irish. I hate him too. So I mean, <laughs> the uh, the the French would also do things like they would um, they would support and and ally themselves with Scotland. Um, it was what was called the the old alliance, which was the alliance between France and Scotland. Uh, but but eventually, around this time, around the the 14th century, there begins a succession crisis in France, in that successive um, Frenchmen who come to be kings of France, um, they don't have male heirs, um, and under French law, which is what's called Salic law, um, the heir has to be from the male side of the family. So even if it's a male like a, a king, who, who's a direct descendant of the line, if he has a daughter and no sons. Um, the daughter is not eligible to be queen. And I'm assuming that adoption is out of the question. Yeah, it, it has to be a blood a blood relative. Um, it, it's not like in um, England, where, for instance, later on we'll get Elizabeth, where they're pretty fine with it because there's no set statutes that say, you know, that a, that a woman can't just rule as queen. Mm-hmm. Even though it's just a figurehead, really. Um, so this would see the end of one French noble family, the Capets, um, since they have no heirs under Charles IV, um, that his line is ended. Um, and because his line is ended, they sort of go through the family tree and they decide who is next up. Um, Edward III of England was the closest heir. Um, he was a nephew from Charles's sister, Isabella, um, mm-hmm. who had married King Edward II. Now, is this the time where all these people are all inbred and fucking each other? I... I don't think they were that inbred at this point. Um, It it gets a little crazier later on, but at this Mm -hmm. point, um, things are differentiated enough. Okay. So people Um, aren't aren't totally disgusting yet. And the... (laughs) Yeah. I like how he just goes right on by that. He's just like, yep, not yet. (laughs) Uh, Not yet. They're still kind of weird. We'll we'll get to Henry VI, but um, I don't really know if that was because of sort of his... um, his genetic structure i think it more had to do with the same things that happen with people being born you know with um sort of sort of down syndrome or or other sort of disorders Mm -hmm. sure um so the the french nobles sort of get together and they decide that the children of female nobles were ineligible under the law um this is sort of done to sort of keep edward out of becoming king of france and also, too, to keep with their the sort of legal tradition they have going. Um, and they decide that uh, Count Philip of Valois is the heir to the throne, and he is crowned King Philip VI. And who is um, this dude? Yeah, who the hell is Count Philip Valois? Like, he's, is he like a local fucking leather worker? Like, just some random dude? Like, hey, you're the How king. are you doing? A, My name's Ville Valois. He's a count. <laughs> he's, he's a major sort of noble. What um, does he count, eh? <laughs> He, he sort of <laughs> sort of wins the lottery and becomes king. <laughs> That's cool. The count it's, one to five hundred million. On a, on a level uh, to like one to King the thing Ralph, is, he's like a. What five. happened was he won a structured settlement, but he needed cash now, <laughs> so he called up Jeju Wentworth. I think they changed your phone number recently. No, I think they did. I don't, think JG went don't with ruin my weekend and night and week and month. <laughs> yeah, because her phone number is like 888 now. Or 866 oh. or some shit. Yeah, it's not 877 cash now anymore. 
Eight seven seven cash now. God, okay. that's, getting, that's that that's gone. That's, that's, that's all. Damn it. End of. All right, era. sorry, Teach. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> so relations gradually collapse between the French and the English, um, and th- this eventually evolves <laughs> into a war um, that lasts 116 years and involves five generations of monarchs. There's gonna be a lot um, of people upset about how much history we just skipped over for a history it, podcast. <laughs> and just just to give you an idea. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a portion of that, but I'm just giving you an idea of the scope of the conflict. And, yeah. and France at that time was the largest kingdom in Western Europe. <laughs> you like that England? I got the biggest. So it's so it's not like France is like a, a small sort of kingdom to be fighting over. It's it's a major power. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, then, doesn't France... France has always had more land area than most of those other nations, unless Britain... Count, counting Britain as an empire, well, maybe I, that was larger. I think the thing about France at this time is it's a consolidated kingdom, whereas a lot of places, like for instance, um, the Holy Roman Empire, isn't really a, an empire per se. It's sort of a confederation of a lot of like smaller nations. Ah, okay. So this is the largest sort of consolidated rule under a king. So during the Holy Roman Empire, there was not states. I'm not well, talking no, states. Like I'm thinking, like there weren't countries. Like I'm thinking. I mean, obviously well, there weren't countries, but well, you know <laughs> technically there aren't countries until the Treaty of Westphalia. But there, there is like the Holy Roman Empire is composed of prince, uh, principalities, and and sort of um, smaller duchies and s- sort of things below a kingdom and some small kingdoms. And that what they do is they have what are called elector counts and electors. And these people get to decide who the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire is, but the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire doesn't really like huh. command the the empire in a sense of like what we would consider, you know. That um, sounds familiar. It That's sounds very. A, it sounds just like a college, a type of college that I've heard of recently. It sounds very similar. God, what very is that? It's it's system the election college or electoral college? What the yeah. Fuck? But the 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 Holy Roman Emperor is kind of at that time. It's almost like the head of the UN. Kofi Annan. Yeah. Or, or is it, I didn't I know he Moon's was 600 years the old. The... Bonky Moon. Yeah, I think yeah. it's Bonky Moon. Balky um, Moon. But get, getting to that, at this time, um, an, an area that is a, in France today is not entirely a part of the, the French kingdom, and that is um, Brittany. Um, Brittany is sort of that peninsula that pokes out of France, um, sort of on the coast if you go far east. That, that yeah, sort of knob that dips out from the side of France. It's um, France's knob. It's like it's like the it's the Florida of France, basically. You call me a knob. <laughs> I did. <laughs> if France if France was a pillow, it's that bit of the pillowcase that doesn't have like the actual pillow inside stuffing it. Stuffing in it. Oh god, I hate that part. Um so Brittany <laughs> is not it, it's ethnically distinct from France. Um the the people of Brittany they're a um, they're a Celtic people, uh, yep. me, meaning they have more in relation with the people of, of Ireland and Wales than they do with the people of of. And France. that's that's pretty true of a lot of France, I believe, because the Celts were. I well, I think that one of the, the theories is that the Celts were originally French. Well, the Celts. Um, well, I, I believe the theory is that the Celts were originally from northern Spain, and, and they just sort of migrated northwards. Um, the the majority of France, though, over over years of sort of domination and sort of um, collective um, cultural endeavors, are mainly uh, what we consider today French, 
Um, they, they were conquered, you know, by the Germanic tribes, and they sort of have that, that legacy of Roman colonization. Um, Brittany, not as much. Um, they still speak this Celtic language, and their, their customs are distinct from those of France. Um, they, they have a lot of, like, sort of dark fairy tales and stuff like that, um, very much akin to sort of, like, Irish mythology. Hell yeah, I like these peeps. Um, so, it, and at the start of the war of um, the Hundred Years' War, um, they're what is referred to as the Duchy of Brittany, and they, they will stay this way um, and, until the French Revolution kind of kills this. Okay. Um, at the start of the Hundred Years' War, there's what's called the War of Breton Succession, which lasts from 1341 to 1365. Hundred um, years. <laughs> and, and similarly to what happens in the Hundred Year War is that there's a succession crisis with Jim Brittany, and the French backs um, the Counts of Blois, um, whom had a female heir, and the English backed the Montforts, um, who had a, a male heir. So, so it's sort of a reverse of the situation of the Hundred Years' War. Um, and, and at the end of this conflict, the Montforts um, ultimately prevail. Um, but due to different like intrigues and diplomacy that happen, um, Brittany does not declare for the English crown. Um, they, they stay loyal nominally to France. Um, they, they sort of toe the line. Um, they're not really picking sides. Um, so... After this happens, there's still a lot of sort of intrigues going on. There's still a lot of people, like, fighting for control. Um, this will come up later on. All right. Um, so, Gilderay is born in 1405 in, in Chamtossi-sur-Lore, which is in what's called um, the Pays de Lore, or the Lore Counties, which is sort of the region that borders on Brittany. Okay. Um, so, these Lore countries... <laughs> Um, they're, they're these sort of, um, in, in France, they call them regions, but they would be the equivalent of like a province or a state. Um, they're sort of the areas that border on Brittany. Okay. Um, his parents are, um, Guy II, uh, de Montmorency Laval and Marie de Crayon. Um, Montmorency butchered, butchered every single Marie the Crayon, known gangster. Her cousin, John de Crayola. John de Crayola oh, and Marie C-R-A-O-N. de Crayon. It's definitely so it's Crayon. Crayon. It's Crayon. I don't think it's Crayon. Because usually Crayon in French doesn't have the A. I have no idea. Because like Macron. Don't speak French. Oh yeah, Macron. That's right. Context clues. I think when you add the A, it just becomes crunk. Like Lil John Crunk? Marie yeah, de like Crunk. Yeah, like Lil just, just <laughs> Marie Jean de Crunk. De crunk. <laughs> Marie de Crunk. For some um, reason, the A adds a K. I don't know why. That's my DJ so, name, Marie de Crunk. So his father um, is is from this, like, <laughs> sort of this marriage of two important families. Um, the Montmorency and Laval were two of the biggest noble families in France. Like, the Montmorencys had a lot of um, marshals of France in their family. Um, the Marshal of France is, like, a the highest commander in, in sort of the medieval French military. It, mm. It's, like, a very big honor. Yeah, it'd be, like, general, kind of. Or colonel. What would be, like, higher? It'd be, like, a five-star general. Okay. So, so growing up, Gil, he's a very intelligent child. Um, he can speak fluent Latin. Um, he does illumination of manuscripts. 
and he divides his education between um, sort of the military studies and also uh, moral and intellectual development, so mainly religious studies. Okay. Um, when and very much like there, there's a lot of like Game of Thrones sort of things going on in this story. Um, when he in 1415, when he's 10, um, so there both is of incest. His, both of his parents die. Um, his father is is sort of uh, mauled by a boar, very much like Robert Baratheon. What? That is I, so I fucking metal. I don't think he was drugged, but he he's still like killed by this boar. And then his mother, she sort of disappears from records, and it's believed that she probably died um, from illness. That's okay. so metal. So when his father dies, Gil becomes the Baron of Rays, um, which is this barony that's in Brittany. Um, and he has a younger brother named Rene de la Souza. And they're placed under the guardianship of his maternal grandfather, who's Jean de Crayon. So, <laughs> so Jean de Crayon is... I've I sort of found descriptions of him that makes him sound like he's just a, like a very conniving like grifter type. Ah, a little finger. Hmm? Okay. Yeah, sort of mm-hmm. sort of a little finger type. Um, he he attempted to marry off Gills because Gills the the oldest son. He attempts to marry him off to to wealthy families. Old Gill. Wait a minute, and you can marry is... off your sons back in that day or back in those days? Well, yeah, you you want to get a marriage to a wealthy like female, um, female heir or or a Brute female stock. member of like a, a wealthy family. Well, um, why the would first these women one, look at any one of them and be like, "Oh yeah, no, he's totally my type." This 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 fucking Crayola idiot. Well, the well, this one happens when he's ten. So immediately, Crayon tries to marry him off to this girl <laughs> named uh, Jean uh, Paynell. Who's six years his junior? So Gil is is ten at this point, and this girl's four. And, and they're married. Well, he wants to marry them. She's the wealthiest available heiress in Normandy. So, so of the women you can marry, who's who's like available in Normandy, she's the wealthiest. Yeah. At turning mean, four, she just recently came on the market. <laughs> four that, years old. I can't even just imagine her walking around with that, just stacks of money like, yeah, I'm four, I'm balling. <laughs> that that falls through, so he attempts to marry him to this girl named Beatrice de Rohan, who's, who's the niece five. of the Duke of Brittany. Um, and she's also... <laughs> Very that, mature. That also falls through. Um, on November 30th, 1420... Um, so this is about he's 15 when this marriage happens he's married to Catherine de Thors of Brittany barely a ripe old age at 15 if you get married she was, at 4 she was an heiress of La Vendée and, and Poitou which are two regions bordering Brittany and it, essentially what, what I read how this went down was that uh, Crayon allegedly uh, plotted having the who, she was 16 at the time, so she was a year older than him. She she planned to have her kidnapped, and then taken so that Gil could rape her. And then after he had like raped her, they would be like forced to be married. My God. Okay, I'm um, sorry. What? So his his scheme like initially was that they would kidnap her, and that Gil would Gil would rape her. And then after he raped her, they'd be like, well, you know, he he had sex with her, so you have to they have to be married. Oh my god, that's disgusting. But it really but sad that if you had what, sex with some chick, it's like, well, you're married now. Haha. Uh-huh. Thankfully for her, um, 
after Crayon does some kidnapping and bribery, um, and he also threatens to sew um, her her mother into a sack and drown her in the river. Um, they're able to marry legally. Man, metal. that's a fucking metal-ass threat. I will sew your mother into a sack and drown her in the fucking river. Holy so help shit. me God. <laughs> so help me God. And it you won't be just any sack. It? It'll be you one of those new English it? sacks. You, you just have to imagine, like, Frank Reynolds in a doublet. Yeah. D'Angelo, <laughs> we gotta get out of here, D'Angelo. <laughs> Um, oh, he man. he and his wife will have one child, which is in 1429, and it's um, her name is Marie. Um, so around the time all of this has happened, the third stage of the Hundred Years' War kicks off, which is called the Lancastrian War. Okay. Um, this this part is kicked off in 1415. Um, Henry V um, of the play, he wishes to marry Catherine of Valois. Um, in order to seal his claim There's to the French throne. There's a play called Henry V? Yeah. It, cool. It's part of the, the Henry ad. Um, I believe the the new movie they have on Netflix, I haven't watched it yet, but I believe it's based on Henry V. Ah, okay. I am um, in no way surprised that Steve was not aware that there was a play called Henry V. It's one no of, way surprised in my... Well, the, no way the, thing, <laughs> the thing about Henry V is it's sort of Tudor propaganda... Because Henry V is is kind of a badass, like the sort of the way Henry V the play goes, is that Henry V was sort of a, a troubled youth, you know he had fallen into bad sorts, almost near like banditry, but when his father dies, you know he takes on the mantle of being king, and he goes over to France and he almost wins, which we'll talk about. So um, uh, technically, just, he does win, but we'll get just, to uh, why he doesn't. Just full disclosure: I have read all of Shakespeare. Yet all you don't know Henry V. <laughs> I was fucking joking. <laughs> My God, I was being sarcastic. You've been served, I'm, full sir. disclosure, dude. I've read all of Shakespeare. I grew up with two English teachers, so okay. I had to balls up on that. <laughs> so. If my brother listens to it, he's gonna be like, "You let that Ryan disrespect you." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm That's way less like, jersey. I'm way less knife, jersey than him. Puts so. the knife or the gun in your hand, and he's like, "You know what to do." <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, Henry wishes to marry Catherine, who's the youngest daughter of Charles VI, who's the king of France. Uh, Charles VI is referred to as the Mad King, um, because he's, he's just, like, I believe he's just so inbred to the point of that he he can't really function well as a king. Sort of what happens with Henry VI. How fucking inbred are you? (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of inbreeding. Well, I mean, okay, so listen, 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 listen. We live in okay. Florida. The chances that no, that we have all met a person who is by birth of, like, first cousins is very high. I've seen okay? him. I know I've seen him. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't look as fucked up as some of these guys look from back then. I've seen some, like, not, like, the actual pictures, but, you know, the paintings. And you can't Man. tell me it's about, like perspective on the noses and stuff has like evolved nah yet. bro that guy's chin looks like a damn crescent moon like that's not that's not <laughs> normal <laughs> oh so charles regardless of, of his status isn't really that capable of a ruler 
Um, and he's he's sort of represented on the field of battle, you know, by other people. He's not capable of leading himself. Um, Henry V is the young man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking. I just see a little horse and somebody's leading the horse with his Charles, helmet on backwards. <laughs> Charlie's not capable of walking in the battlefield. Nothing. He needs, nothing. He's got a little leashy. I not, can only see somebody leading the horse around the battlefield. <laughs> not that we, not that we talk about it, because it's the War of the Roses. But Henry the Sixth, oh during the war, way. during the battle in which he's captured, during the War of the Roses, um, the other people are sort of fighting for him. He spends the most of the battle underneath a tree, sort of singing songs and playing with an imaginary rabbit. Chilling, oh. my man, uh, chilling. It, he's got war figured that, out. <laughs> imaginary rabbit that like talks to him. He's got war figured out. Yo, y'all fight for me. I'm gonna be in this tree over here chilling with Peter Cottontail. <laughs> well, this whole this whole time period involves, uh, or not involves, but informs the whole Game of Thrones thing. So the, the War of the Roses happens like right after this. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll get to peak Game of Thrones at one point. Yeah. Um. So Henry V, um, he defeats the French repeatedly. Um, the Battle of Agincourt, which I'm sure you've um, you've heard of, um, that was under Henry V. Um, during that battle, Henry just essentially like destroys the French. Oh. He kills the king's champion. Um, the the French are routed and broken to a point where they can't really fight back against the English. I'm so broken. So, <laughs> and and getting to the um, sort of Game of Thrones thing that happens. Um. You perhaps you've heard of uh, Burgundy? Yeah, the color Ron Burgundy. Well, of of, of Ron Burgundy the fame. Uh, Bur- Burgundy is sort of an, an area in north um, in, in northeastern France, um, around right. what is today like Belgium. Like it's, in, in Belgium, there's a lot of areas that speak French, um, and, and also um, also I believe the Netherlands was also a part of it. Um, but this is sort of this area that existed um, on the coast of sort of ten, um, Western Europe. And th- this area extends, like, the Burgundy extends through broken patches all the way from sort of the coast um, of the English Channel all the way down to almost the Mediterranean. Um, okay. So the Duke of Burgundy is somebody you want on your side. So John the Fearless is the Duke of Burgundy, and he goes to me with representatives of the Dauphin. John the Fearless. I just want to know how these people get these names. Like, like, I was talking to my wife recently, and I'm not, like, obsessed with legacy or anything, obviously. I'm not planning on having kids or anything like that, but at the same time, I want to, like, leave something behind, and imagine you left that shit behind. Imagine John your fucking name was Ryan the well, Fearless. His, his son is not named the Fearless. <laughs> Ryan we'll talk about without quarter. Usually, when you he get a gave... title like the Fearless, it it doesn't it doesn't carry on the line. That's just your personal like. I don't know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about his legacy, like oh, his name, his actual name. Yeah. Can you imagine if your dad's name was John the Fearless and you grew up to be a gigantic sissy? Or yeah. Pussy well, not, or maybe just an artist. We'll go with instead instead of sissy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something better. I'm like shit, that was not this guy. Huge coward. He's not tough in the battlefield but Cowards, when it comes to a painting he takes risks he's a gigantic um, coward he's very avant-garde ahead of his time 
God, can you imagine that? Can you imagine how bad you'd feel if your dad was a huge badass and you're just like, don't hurt me. But to, Dude, honestly, to, isn't that like most of our generation? <sighs> Not really. Debatable. That's how I feel about That's it. more of our parents' generation. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. Good point. Um, I think my dad was my dad was pretty badass. So to to bring it back to Burgundy, um, the the flag of Florida, for instance. Um, incorporates aspects of the flag of Burgundy because the flag of Burgundy is is a white um, flag, sort of flag of with a red Florida? sort of X cross on it. Oh, oh, oh okay. okay. So that aspect of the Florida flag is the cross of Burgundy, as it's called. Yeah. Um, and they they added that because when Florida was sort of um, sort of taken over by Spain, um, I, I wouldn't say it was colonized because because Florida wasn't really colonized until the until the Anglo's came in. But, mm-hmm. but just sort of when they took control of the territory, um, the the flag of Burgundy was was the flag that Spain was going with at that time. Okay. Um, so John the Fearless goes to meet with the representatives of the Dauphin. The Dauphin is like a baby at this time. Yeah. What is the, the Dauphin? What is the, that? The Dauphin is like the crown prince of France at that time. Yeah, the Dauphin. Okay. So. His his entourage are, are sort of um, sort of his retainers. Fucking dolphin. Hi, you're going to see the Crown Prince of France. Hi, yeah, this is him. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. So they, Lisa's they, out, Dan. <laughs> I hope that Dan Marino dies, dies of Dauphin. gonorrhea and rots Burns. in hell. Yeah. All right, so the Dauphin. So they meet. They meet on a bridge because <laughs> what is with the pronunciation? All of a sudden, the, the right, Dauphin, whatever. The Dauphin and the, the Duke of Burgundy meet in order to secure um, the Duke's sort of loyalty. Right. Um, they're very. They're very unsure about the meeting. Um, the Duke is worried that because there had been also been succession crises in Burgundy, um, so, sort of like the Cold War, because there's sort of been these these sort of lapses in um, succession that both France and England are sort of moving in and supporting different families to take over the areas. So very much like the Cold War where you have sort of these uh, Western nations and sort of the Soviet Union and communist allied nations moving in to sort of take control of countries and bring them over to their side. You have the same thing happening within these territories in France. Okay. And so they meet on this bridge. The Duke is very uneasy about it um, because he's worried about being assassinated. And they sort of build um, a hut on the middle of this bridge so they can meet without having to worry about them being assassinated. Um, But what happens during this meeting is that John, um, while he's talking, he he rests his hand on the hilt of his sword. Um, Mm. It's believed he did this for balance, but because the meeting was so tense... Um, that one of the entourage of the Dauphin like oh, freaks shit. out and says that like like says like I'll dare you I'll dare you grasp your weapon in the presence of the Dauphin and he straight up murders John the Fearless like he just drives an axe straight into his face and then the shit. Dauphin's entourage kills um, the Duke of Burgundy's entourage holy shit and so what this ends up doing is that uh, John the Fearless's son Philip the Good 
Um, he formally allies with the English. Because the French just straight up murder his father, he sides with the English. I so mean, Henry V. That's fair. That's fair. That, yeah, that's completely fair. You know, I, I that's don't fair blame right there. One bit. So Henry yeah. V. For going. He I mean, John John Wick is a, a murderer, really, when you look right at it. But someone killed his dog, so I'm, I side with John Wick. You know. Yeah. It was a gift from his wife. The dog being killed. Yeah, the original dog. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he gets yeah, another yeah. dog, which is that's which right. has survived. Yeah. To the it's end of movie dog. three spoilers, but yeah, yep, 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 yep. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> just, just gonna say that. He gives it over to Lance Riddick, and Lance Riddick, you know. I mean, anything you give Lance Riddick, you know it's you know it's gonna be safe. Have you seen his Twitter account? <laughs> Fantastic, one of the best tweets ever. Tweeters. You um, must not. Oh my God! Never mind. We'll get we'll get into the best tweeters later on because I got. One oh tweet. no! I know there's plenty more, but I'm saying yeah. Lance Riddick's pretty good. All right, go ahead, go. Ahead. So go ahead. Henry V is able to force the Treaty of Troy, or, or Troyes. I, I don't, I don't know if the ES is, is pronounced as well. It's T R O Y E S. Just um, call my uncle and get some pronunciation checks. He he teaches French. So he oh gets he gets the treaty forced in 1420. Um, this gives Henry his desired marriage to Catherine. It makes his heirs the heirs to the throne of France. So, Henry marries Catherine, and he has a son. But unfortunately, um, Henry V dies in 1422 of either heat stroke or dysentery. No one's really sure of what he dies of. Um, it, it's, it seems more likely that it was heat stroke, because it's said that if he had dysentery, he would have been suffering from it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this time, you have to remember, even though he sort of secured this marriage, there's still people within France, including... Um, sort of the people around the Dauphin don't want Henry to become king. Because you have to remember, Charles does have a son that is the, the, the rightful heir under French law to be king, which is the future Charles VII, the Dauphin. Right. Um, so they're continuing to fight. Um, and then soon after Henry dies, um, Charles VI dies two months later. So, because both parties in this treaty have sort of died, people sort of ignore it, except for the English. Everybody's just kind of like, meh. They, they just go back to fighting. Um, <laughs> and, and so, too, because Henry VI is only a baby, um, Henry's brother does most of the fighting. And eventually, like I said, Henry grows up to be severely mentally handicapped to the <laughs> point where he can't rule. Like, if you look at a picture of Henry VI, like any of his pictures that come up like uh-huh. you look at him and you can tell even from a medieval portrait that he was probably like handicapped oh my god and when you look, look at that at- picture you have to remember too that they sort of made him look better I just so if you just type into google the very first picture that comes up just a quick look i would say that he probably has some type of down syndrome or like fetal alcohol syndrome and and the thing <laughs> about based on him, his proportions what i see there and i'm thinking if he was like not even close to as good looking what would that person look like but the thing about henry the mm-hmm. sixth though is that by all accounts he's like a really nice person he's very sweet he's not very like 
he's not very like brutal or ruthless and and he's just very like nice to be around but the problem is is that he he's 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 born into the era that like game of thrones is mostly based off of well, he's so nice he, to be around because he's he's mentally handicapped those people are awesome they're always happy but he's like he's very <laughs> unfit to be in the circumstances he's in Clearly. Uh, eventually he's <laughs> he's sort of captured and he's kept in confinement for the rest of his life see that's fucked up dude it's messed up that, <laughs> that that's the war him. of the roses um so this is this is all after um what goes down with gil though definitely do henry the sixth does allegedly interact with um joan of arc um in the play henry the sixth um by william shakespeare um joan of arc does appear in it and Shakespeare leans heavily on the fact that she's like the bride of Satan and a witch. Damn. Um, so back to old Gil. Um, in 1420, in 1421, so when Gil's 16, um, he sides with the ruling house Bonfort and secures the release of Duke John VI of Brittany. Um, and now Gil is married at this point, right? Yeah. So... Duke John VI had been taken prisoner by this guy named Olivier de Blois because he wanted um, to force John to uh, renounce his title as Duke um, yeah. so that he could probably take it. And this violated the Treaty of um, Garande, which was the treaty that ended um, the, the sort of succession crisis that went on in Brittany. I just want to go back real quick. Is it Dubois? Yeah, it's Dubois. So Dubois? So D E and then B L O I S. Because if it maybe was, it if, du, maybe it is Dubois. I thought it was B-O-I-S. no. It would be, it would be Dubois. Because okay. if, oh. if it was, if there was oh, no L, guy. it would be Dubois. I read that as uh, Dubois. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. So, so after sort of Don't helping, no sell my Blowies joke. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. You'll rue this day. you'll rue this day sir i damn you and your children from henceforth i will sew you into a sack and deposit you in the river nothing that you english chumps are saying means much to me so so gil was rewarded with land and french irish aid um so he's he's sort of rewarded he comes into prominence in 1425, um, he's introduced to the court of Charles VII, and he studies under the Dauphin. Now we're talking about Bluebeard. I mean, not Bluebeard. What? Well, we'll, Gil- we'll, we'll sort of talk about that and how um, usually Gilderay is sort of associated with Bluebeard, but the the sort of the legend of Bluebeard like pre-exists before Gilderay, and Gilderay's crimes don't exactly match up with Bluebeard. Right. Because Bluebeard is a man who he marries multiple women and then murders them. But uh, Gilderay only marries one woman and then he's alleged to have murdered children. Mostly male (laughs) children. Hmm. I mean, if you're going to kill a kid, I mean, I got to say, the the, the males are much worse. We got enough (laughs) of them. You might as well just knock those over, you know? This ain't China. I mean, wait. So, before before we get canceled, in 1425... Steve, you know what's great about this? We can't be canceled. We can't be canceled because we produce it ourselves. We could almost say anything. All right, And so we, could, we could kill a man in Times Square and not be canceled, Steve. <laughs> but, can, but can we adopt a hero dog? 
Um, I don't. I don't. When we get big and we get a podcast so. studio, right? And we, we get, get when we, we get a Patreon. Jobs. We yeah, get a Patreon that could be one of the we'll Patreon levels. Dog. Yeah, we, ad- dog. we adopt the dog that killed El Baghdadi. We oh should. God, we should do yes. a Patreon, and I think that one of the levels should be f- feed picks. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> dude! Oh, I man. would be if if there are people out there who want them, you know, female, oh, male, I'm, I'm on, I'm on any, board, anyone man. who wants like pictures of my feet, and they will pay me a lot of money for pictures of my feet. Yo, listen, I yeah, am willing I got you. to like step in pumpkins or whatever for you. You know, there's someone out there <laughs> who wants you to read history to them while they touch your feet, and. Honestly, I don't feel like that's prostitution if you get paid to do it through Patreon. Yeah, it's like a dominatrix style, like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a transactional exercise. Just let me know. Um, I'll give you my Venmo at the end. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> so, just remember, to send those to send those crazy numbers on your credit card and those, those three <laughs> wacky kids, numbers on kids, the back. Kids, Jotaro Kujo needs to defeat Dio, but he can't do it. He's gonna need your help. Numbers. <laughs> need these sixteen numbers from your parents' credit card. <laughs> no, not not the American Express. Any other card. <laughs> Their transaction fees are too high. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, so in fourteen twenty seven, Gill serves as commander in the Royal Army until fourteen thirty five. Wow, that's a good career. And in fourteen twenty seven, now he only had to do four years, right? He did in eight years. Yeah, yeah. I think he only had. <laughs> <laughs> he did two tours, Steve. So he did. Yeah. So he's a career well, man. Well, technically, a tour is a year. He did. Uh, he did multiple tours, but. Wow. How? Um, let me ask you this, and it's totally aside, and I'll shut up if you don't know. But. Uh, how long was like an average man of high military rank at military time like during this period like was he was he chilling a lot or was he always fighting well when you're when you're on campaign um you're well they're they're moving around and it's very active but normally like you would you would camp you would wait around for the battle sort of like which which lasts until sort of the the 19th and, and early 20th century where you sort of wait around for the fighting, you know, you're in camp, um, people in camp, you know, you have camp followers who follow around who are sort of like merchants and, okay. and prostitutes who sort of buy their wares to the camp. There's no difference um, between merchants and prostitutes, by the way. You need... Well, people are so good to people who are, you know, it, it's a proper cunny house. Charlotte Wells. And you know, you know, Steve, if you ain't got no money, you ain't get no cunny. We gotta oh watch that God. new season of that. That's a great show. Um, Harlots, fantastic. They, you you sort of sit around, and and during this period too, you're under what's called the peace of God, which are sort of these rules of warfare that the Catholic Church has sort of set down around the Fuckers. time of the First Crusade. Um, that says that you know that you don't you don't fight on on holy days, um, you don't fight on um, Sundays and things like that. You you sort of so, observe these these periods. So the thing about that is like. And this is a weird question. If, like, let's say there was a decisive battle coming up, right? Like, it was going to turn the tide, right? And the Pope just issued a bull that said, Today, Tuesday, is now a holy day. Did they call off the war? 
Well, I mean, they would stop fighting for a day. Don't you remember in World War One when they had, you know, Christmas Day where they would well, literally party well, together? Yeah, but I'm talking about like, that was so the more idea like just, of, but that was more like a cultural, like a tradition thing. I mean, well, the idea of calling well, going and, going back to, to to sort of that which is relevant to what we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And in Henry V, you know, he gives that speech about St. Crispin's Day. Yeah, where he says, you know, like they're they're fighting on St. Crispin's Day, um, and, and it's actually a pretty good speech. Um, and yeah, it's, sort it's of like one of the biggest monologues ever, where the battle the battle happens um where he gives that sort of monologue about a band of brothers and he says that you know if you choose not to fight on this day that's fine um but but it's almost like Patton's speech where he says you know about shoveling shit in louisiana where he says you know that (laughs) that you can either that like i don't know steve (laughs) that you could either that that he sort of ruse the people back in England who are just lying in their beds and that I feel like this is Tommy Boy where he's Chris Farley's trying to explain the butcher and the T bone. <laughs> well to, to No, it's gotta break be down what bowl. he says is he says that, you know, it's you could bowl. be back in England sleeping in your bed, but you're here today fighting with me and because we'll do this great thing and we'll win every day, every time they're saying Crispin's Day you can show your family and friends, you know, your scars from the battle and regale them of the story of the right. the battle of St. Crispin's Day. Unless you're, unless you're, uh, which, which is John the Battle DeCrayon, of Agincourt, by the way. Because he lost his nips on St. Crispin's Day and he didn't like showing them to people. <laughs> it's just an but, odd injury. But the Battle of Agincourt <laughs> occurs Did over St. Crispin's what? Day. <laughs> Listen, just imagine you're out there listen, and there's listen. people fucking swinging swords around and you're, listen. you know, your nips are out. True story. Right? <laughs> in my high school, he got a, his nipple ripped off in a screen door when a screen door closed on his nipple. Jesus. Let me ask you a question about that, though. Was okay. it so like on St. Crispin's Day? <laughs> Was it on Did October it 25th? Did it occur on October twenty fifth? No, I don't fucking know what happened. But, I, it was no. It was sometimes well, he'll never. No one's ever going to remember it. But the thing, but the thing about that too is, this is William Shakespeare, oh, like a hundred years God, later. That fucking hurts. Writing, <laughs> writing about the Battle of Agincourt and sort of like, sort of describing it almost like in an action movie sense. Right. So that that scene in Henry V is sort of like the. Like the scene from Saving Private Ryan, like the Normandy scene, it, it's almost like that, but in in, in sort of a, a medieval context. I'm about to say without M1 Garands and everything else. So there there are rules. Like you're not fighting all the time. You spend a lot of time in camp, and then you go fight for a couple days. <clears throat> Sorry. Um. So Gil, as as being a, a commander. Um, he, he sort of sent to, to help free the siege of Orleans. So Orleans is under siege, and if Orleans falls to the English, like the the war's pretty much over. Hmm. Um, and, and so in 1427, um, on his way to Orleans, he distinguishes himself um, at the Battle of the Chateau, uh, Chateau de Lude, where he captures uh, an English captain and, and sort of... Um, sort of takes this keep that was sort of in the way and sort of been a thorn in the side of the French. Nice. Just take shit. Um, so, the, the siege of Orleans has not been going well, but a young woman named Joan of Arc arrives, um, escorted by Robert de Baudricourt. Saber? Um, and she, who, yes, who Saber. 
Who's this chick? Joan what? Joan of Arc. Come on. Listen, women women don't do much in history. Come on. Joan Dark. She can't be that important. Um so she she comes, she helps lift the siege. This is the first major victory since <laughs> Agincourt. Oh damn, so she did do stuff, okay. So because she, <laughs> because she comes and she, she sort of bolsters them and she's actually a pretty good fighter. Um they're they're able to sort of break the siege. And and France is able to get its first victory um, since their humiliating defeat at Agincourt. Just right. as an aside, before I get a bunch of fucking angry texts when people listen to this, I know exactly who Joan of Arc is because I played her campaign in Age of Empires 2. <laughs> it was a great game, and it's remastered, and I'm going to get it. Hell, fuck yes, I love that game. Yeah, it's a good Classic. game. Classic. Good game. But she I'm had not a lot of Was Age of it, Empires 2, so. that was... Excuse my ignorance, but that was definitely a uh, real-time strategy, right? Yes. Sir. Yeah, it's real-time. Yeah. No, that was also the one like that, that had the cheat code you could activate and get the like the Batmobile that would drive around and shoot people. Yeah, the, the <laughs> car that just shoots missiles. It's amazing. Wololo. Yeah, dude. Age of Empires. Oh, the that's the Wololo. Oh, yeah, the I love the fucking Wololo. Wololo. Yeah. Um, so after oh. after Gil sort of meets up with them. Um, Gil will campaign alongside Joan of Arc. Well, he'll act as her sort of protector. Um, oftentimes, in sort of stories about this, um, it's somewhat mythologized that they were very close and that they were lovers. But there's nothing to really corroborate that, except for the fact that they were both like 16, 17 years old. Um, in fourteen twenty-seven, he'd be twenty-two, so he'd be a little bit much older than her. Not that that mattered, but I'm about to say he married a four-year-old or was trying to get marry a fucking four-year-old. Well, his his, his grandfather much. was trying to marry him to a four-year-old. I didn't hear him objecting. That's true. He never um, said no. He didn't from, say no. From June eleventh to twelfth, fourteen twenty-nine, he participates in the Battle of Jargal which is the first major French offensive in a generation. So this is like the first time that the French are actually like actively fighting back against the English. Um, Joan of Arc and Duke, Duke John II of Alicon, um, or it's probably Alençon, um, lead a force that includes Gil de Rey. Um, Joan leads the French to victory um, over the English, and, and like during this battle, um, while she's sort of scaling a wall on this fortress, um, her helmet is split in two by rocks during her scaling of a wall. So while she's sort of going up a ladder um, to, to attack the English on the parapet, um, they're dropping rocks, and one of the rocks like sort of splits her helmet in half. Oh, no. Um, on June 18th of 1429, the Battle of Patay happens. Um, the English forces um, in central France are decimated at this battle, um, and France is left in control of much of the region. So after this point, um, they sort of like forced the English out of central France. July 17th, 1429, Gil is in the honor guard of four lords that brings um, the Holy Ampula, which is um, a, a consecrated vial of oil that was sort of blessed by the Pope that's used to um, consecrate n- newly coronated kings. What kind of oil? Mm. You know, oil, oil. <laughs> he thought he thought about it for me, like olive. It gave me like the dad consideration. Probably sound. oil, mm. olive oil. You not olive like grapeseed oil. oil? High school point. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my! So he, he's part of the honor guard that leads it for the Abbey of Saint Saint Remy, 
to the to Notre Dame de Reims um, for the consecration of Charles VII as king during his coronation. Uh, Notre Dame de Reims is not the Cathedral of Notre Dame that we think of. Um, there's a bunch of Notre Dames, but this uh, uh, Reims is like a, I believe today it's considered a suburb of Paris, um, but it's sort of an area that's outside of Paris. So it it, it it's doesn't it's not referring to any sort of church in any manner. Well, it's no, just like referring to a neighborhood. Well, no, it is it is like a huge cathedral, but it's not the Notre Dame that people think of. Okay. The the Notre Dame. It's just Dame another giant cathedral. Yeah, the Notre Dame de Paris is the one that people think of. Okay, so when you say Notre Dame, you're basically saying the cathedral, and then there's more than one. Clearly, they're all over. Yeah, the place, there's there's multiple Notre Dames. Um, it looks very similar, but it's a different church. Okay, okay, okay. Um, on also, the same uh, day, Gill is made Marshal of France. <laughs> F. <laughs> F. I'm smashing my F key to pay respects to Notre Dame de Paris. So, on the same day, Gill is made Marshal of France. Um, and then on in, in May of 1431, um, Joan of Arc is burned at the stake. Um so uh, assholes Gil there, there's talk that Gil and several well, other you know people had there, tried right? had planned on sort of liberating Joan but they weren't able to um right. and, and Gil took this very badly because they were close <laughs> when when she died um on November I heard 14- someone ask Joan of Arc if she had stairs in her house and she said the wrong thing <laughs> <laughs> so they so they fucking burned her at the stake because she's obviously a bitch at that point <laughs> <laughs> well then she deserved it <laughs> she would have got out of there if she just you know she wanted she, she, she wanted protected. to read all those she let's plays been protected, yes. <laughs> she wanted to read all those let's plays of, of dang on rapa but she didn't want to pay for the subscription fuck her oh <laughs> man I love everyone who understands that section go ahead we, um, we love we love every last one of you guys you're the reason we're doing this <laughs> so on November 14th 1432 um Jean de Crayon, his maternal grandfather, dies. And Jean is, is like, pretty pissed at Gills at this time. So when he, he leaves, dies, he's pissed at Gills. So when Jean dies, he leaves his sword and breastplate to Gills' brother, Rene de la Souza. Oh, snap. Damn, how that disrespectful. And that's to show his displeasure publicly of Gills' reckless spending. Because, you know, Gil, is, Gil has a very bad issue with spending money. Like, Gil is, like, the equivalent of, like, MC Hammer. He's well, the equivalent the of Old Gil, is what he is. Old what? Gil's gonna make a play. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so, in, in 1432, um, Gil's has become bankrupt due to his extravagant spending habits. Um, by March 1433, um, Gil has sold all his estates in Imputel, except his wife's and all of his property in Maine, which is another area in this sort of, um, this lore country. Okay. He only remained in possession of his castles in Anjo and Camtok sur lore and Ingrades. Um, so Gil is using a portion of most of his money to fund the building of an extravagant chapel, which is called the Chapel of the Holy Innocents. Um, at this chapel... Um, he officiates masses in robes of his own design. So, so obviously in like a deacon status, um, but he, he even like makes his own robes. 
Um, so Tell me about, if these things look like the robes from Joseph in the Technicolor Dream. Well, I'm imagining it's sort of like in the second <laughs> season of Fleabag with with I, the priest. Oh, I haven't seen Fleabag. Where he Dude, where he like talks about his like I'm not his, gonna like, be that robes. guy. But what? you should definitely check out Fleabag, yeah. dude. But he has like fucking love it. He has like these around. purple like Catholic priest robes, and he's like, "Oh, you can only get these in Italy." And he's like talking them up. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. got like that exaggerated robe, and he's like, "Do you think this one?" Yeah, that. All right, yeah, I got you. Um, and then the rest of his money, um, he's using to fund a portion of a theatrical work Hookers called Le Mystere <laughs> du Siege d'Orleans. Um, it's a play that consisted of more than 20,000 lines of verse and required 140 speaking parts and 500 extra. What the f- what the fuck? Gills, <laughs> it's not a play. He almost bankrupts himself at the time of production in 1432. He bankrupt a town with a production he's like, like that. What the f- yeah, he's like a rapper. He's like he's like Kanye with less money sense. Oh yeah. my, he's like Kanye with nothing. <laughs> He has, like, Kanye's disposition. Um, so, around 1434 and 1435, um, Gill starts, like, withdrawing from official and public life, um, and he does this to focus on his projects. Um, on May 8th, 1435, um, his play is performed for the first time. So, this is this is also goes into why he's so bad with money. The play requires 600 costumes, which were constructed, worn once, discarded, and then they constructed new ones for the next performance. Why? He also had unlimited supplies of food and drink made available to the spectators at his own expense. So not only is he like completely re- redoing wardrobe for every version of his play, he's also giving people like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Jesus Christ, but why? Like, wh- why is he well, destroying costumes between plays? Like, that makes well, no sense whatsoever. I think part of it's just his eccentric nature and then two like it was sort of described that he would go back to orleans a lot because that was like where his like big claim to fame was so he's, think, he's sort of reliving his glory days of destroying right. wardrobes after one production well like, that's just him being stupid but i mean him putting on this play so you have to remember if this is a play about the siege of orleans he was a major player in the siege of orleans and we're sure he's not inbred or mentally handicapped in any way. Well, it's, it's, I think, I think it's impossible stupid. to know. I think he's time. just like stupid, like people are with money today. Okay. He's like those people who win the lottery and then they just like end up like broke or dead. So you mean? So you taxes. mean? So you mean everyone who wins the lottery? <laughs> no, I paid a million dollars for this house. I should never have to make any sort of payments about no. this house ever again. The thing is, is the logic of the lottery always got me. Like, if you make forty to fifty thousand dollars a year for, or I'm even, I'm going way above board. If you make twenty to forty thousand dollars a year for most of your life, and someone hands you two hundred million dollars, you're gonna die. You're gonna die in like a couple of years. Well, I, I sort of rationalize it that broke. I think about it, like in the exercise that if somebody you know handed me like that much money, like I would just budget it aside. That I would have a hundred thousand dollars for like every year until I die. No, uh, everyone shut does no, that. I, everyone no. has their story. Oh, no, God, this is this up. is what I say. Like I I'm say, take care of my mom. I say that's how I. <laughs> I, 
I say that's what I like. Budget Bitch, all that's gonna happen is you're gonna buy a nightclub and you're gonna die of an. <laughs> buy a nightclub. <laughs> Club Steve. Well, if you let me finish, what I was gonna say is, I would I would probably end my life like face down in a pool that's shaped like some weird novelty shape. <laughs> <laughs> Like a fucking eggplant. Like a like uh, in the shape of like Florida or something. No, you you would die inside of a pool that's just a, a square, and the bottom of the pool just it's you're on one side of the pool, you're like up at the top dead, and at the bottom it just says bottom text. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh my god! C- continue. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> so, Gil's, Gilly DeRay. Old Gil is bad with money. Oh, old Gil, guys, I just need this one sale. <laughs> still, still on his like original wife. So, so he's oh, with his him. original wife, but he probably his, cheated on her, right? His, like, let's his, be honest. His bluebeard status is still in question. Um, so. So Gil is spending money at an exponential rate. Um, in June of 1435, so this is only like a month after he performs his play, um, Gil's family attempts to stop his family or stop his spending by appealing to Pope Eugene the Fourth to disavow the chapel that he's funding, uh, which the Pope refuses. So their their first step is like, well, we can stop him from having this church by just like sort of asking the Pope to sort of deconsecrate it. Um, and then that way we don't have to worry about him, you know, spending money on it. But the Pope tells them no. He no, says no. I, I'm not going to get rid of this church. Pope shoots that down real quick. It's like it's a nice, it's a nice church. Hey, Luigi. Is the Pope Russian? <laughs> it's a the Italian French kid. Oh, <laughs> well, he's definitely Italian. Well, definitely Italian. Pope. But I mean, I heard Russian in there, so I it's, mean, I didn't it's know if he was Russian Pope or Italian. Like, it's the Pope before like the 20th century, so of course he's fucking Italian. Well, what I'm saying is, I heard Russian in there too. So I'm like, is he Russian or is he Italian? Hey, he was, it's a nice he was, church. You never got like two different salad dressings before. <laughs> I never mixed Italian and Russian. Are you crazy, dude? It's so good. The Italian gives you a little bit of the oil, and the Russian gives you a little bit of the Russian. <laughs> <laughs> so, because because the Pope is unable to sort of do what Gill's family wants, and July second of fourteen thirty five. Uh, the family appeals to the king, who on that day proclaims in a royal edict that Gil is a spendthrift. So the so the king like officially oh, shit. decrees. Oh shit! Throwing that, shade. That Gil is like he's bad with money. So calling him a spendthrift is officially saying that he's like bad with money, and that he can no longer sell his property. What? what? And under this decree, no French subject may enter into a contract with Gil. And commanders of Gil's castles were forbidden to dispose of them. Meaning Let me ask that a question: Is he still a? Uh, is he still a um, marshal of France? Yeah, I believe he still is. Like it's sort of like a title, but it's mostly honorary at that point. Um, huh. He apparently did travel around with like an entourage of like armed men, but okay. it's not really sure if they were like actually meant to be that, or if it was just him, you know, living up to his like. His sort of image, you know? Right, I got you. Um, so after this, like, Gil's credit becomes non-existent. Um, so in order to pay off his creditors who he owes money to, he has to sell um, personal items. And, uh, and then eventually he retreats to Brittany, 
um, where the edict is not enforced um, because Brittany, you have to remember, is not, even though it's beholden to the King of France, um, the Duchy of Brittany is not directly under France, so edicts of the king can be not enforced there. <laughs> they could be like, nah, fuck that. So the Duke the Duke chooses not to enforce the, the edict by the king <laughs> and sort of protects um, Gil because of the, the relationship they had previously. <laughs> he said, psych, I ain't doing shit. <laughs> Wait, which law? No. No. No, I don't think so. And it's, it's soon after this that the accusations of um, sort of his um, experimentation with the occult and the child murders come up. Mm. Yeah, that, that's where it go. gets a little bit weird. So in, we in, in 1438, um, Gil was put on trial for crimes against God in France, pretty much. Um, according to testimony, um, Gil came into contact with this priest named Eustache uh, Bonchette and a cleric named uh, Francois Proletti. Um, so, Gil allegedly set out um, Eustache Bonchette to find someone skilled in demonology and alchemy, and he found Proletti. Um, Francois Proletti was an Italian alchemist and may have been. Um, it's also alleged that he may have been romantically involved with Gill, um, but we're not entirely sure if how true that is. How much of that went on in France at the time? Like, as I know that that was like a big thing among like the uh, upper class in France. Well, the well, the, the thing about it is is yeah. that like people look the other way, and you have to remember the the term like homosexual is a modern term. Yeah, yeah like yeah, that it's not a... that that sort of um, that that sort of thing didn't exist like sodomy is still a punishable crime at this time period mm-hmm. but there wasn't really a conception of like someone being a homosexual or or of like homosexuality being like an all the time thing yeah like they, i don't think it was it was if it did i don't think it definitely had a category it was just like, like that guy kind of likes butt too right? one of his one of his um what one of the the crimes that he's committed for is uh, sodomy. So, so sodomy is still a crime, but it's just one of those things where they sort of look the other way a lot of times. Depending on who you are, I'm sure. Yeah, de- depending on who you are, that if you're a nobleman, like, as long as you, you know, you, you have a wife and you're you're producing heirs, that they'll look the other way, you know, like, just the same with mistresses. You know, if you want to fool around with men instead of women, you know, it, it might even be considered by some families to be better, because then you don't have to worry about bastards. Hmm. Because like bastards become an issue as well, um, because they sometimes will come and try to press their claims, especially if it's for like a kingdom. Um, they they can sometimes become pretenders or things like that. Um, but it's 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 just sort of a messy thing that they want to avoid bastards, especially making them legitimate. Huh. That's really weird. Because you can, because you can go back and you can make bastards legitimate. But it, but it's sort of frowned upon because they're not they're not from your your legal your legal marriage and it also sort of muddies the waters in terms of um, carrying on the lineage. Yeah. So anyway, so it, it's alleged that the Chateau de Fa, de Fage. <laughs> it, it's T I F F A U G E S. That the trio attempted to summon a demon named Baron. B-A-R-R-O-N, just like the son of the president, 
whom whom they would secure um, riches from. Um, it it obviously failed, much to Gil's frustration. And Proletti suggested to um, suggest that you know Baron wasn't happy with what they had they they had sort of done in the ritual, so that he needed to be appeased with a child sacrifice. And you this almost is, got it right, by the way. It's I, I went on Forvo.com, which is a fantastic website for a pronunciation. You can find almost anything on there. It's uh, Tifoge. Tifoge. Yep. Um, so at, at Tifoge, they <laughs> they they sort of have. Um, it's alleged that they tried to summon this demon. They fail, um, and that the the demon requires a child sacrifice, Shucks. according to Prolady. Wait, 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 wait. They tried to summon a demon. Without the child sacrifice? Yeah, and initially they tried without children, and then Palladius like, morons. like, like, no, you gotta, you gotta include, you gotta sweeten the deal. Yeah, I mean, you gotta kill at least one kid, or you're not getting a demon. So allegedly, this is all part of like sort of what's what's admitted in the court later on. Um, beginning in the spring of 1432 or 1433, um, Gilderay allegedly begins kidnapping and then ritually sexually assaulting and murdering mainly young boys and some girls. Yeesh. Um, so the number of Ray's alleged victims is not known. Um, so, because they claim that they buried or burned most of the bodies. Um, so Ugh. it could have ranged between 80 to 200. And then uh, there are a few conjectures of more than 600. Um, Jeez, and the, holy and the, fuck shit. And the victims ranged in age from 6 to 18. Um, and were predominantly boys. Um, there's a lot of lurid descriptions of like what they did in the ritual, and it sounds a lot of like what what people do in like chaos magic and and sort of like magical rituals, you know, like masturbating on people and stuff like that. Right. Jesus um, Christ. So I, I'm not really going to go into that, but in um, no on problem May, there. On May 15th of 1440, um, Gil. Uh, kidnaps a cleric during a dispute at a church. So there's this church, and this priest who was actually a boyhood tutor of Gil, um, he was alleged he was alleged to have helped publish the King's Writ, and because of that, Gil allegedly took him um, hostage. Um, and so, the Bishop of, of Nantes, who is, which is the capital of Brittany, um, he's prompted to investigate, and Gil's other crimes are uncovered during this process. Good God. On July 29th of 1440, um, the bishop releases his findings, and John VI, Duke of Brittany, arrests Gil and his bodyguards, um, Poitou and Henriette, on September 15th, 1440, after a secular investigation verifies the findings. So, both a sort of religious court and then also a, a sort of secular court from the the duchy sort of verifies the findings. So he got like double, double for sure. Totally, you did this. You're done. Yeah, yeah. like he tried to he tried to claim sanctuary, but they <laughs> were like, he got nah. double slapped. Yeah, well, exactly. He didn't get to claim sanctuary because he started like waving an axe at a priest. Because yeah. he, he found out the priest had old the priest had, not gonna take this shit. <laughs> the priest had ruined his credit. Old so. Gil never touched any babies. <laughs> it's terrible. Jesus. So 
When this trial happens, Gil is accused of murder, sodomy, and heresy. Mm. Um, many Which witnesses, part was the heresy? <laughs> many witnesses come forward, but their claims are, are sort of hard to verify or confirm. Um, they claim, you know, that Gil was, was like kidnapping children or that their children went to his castle looking for, you know, food and that they never came back. What? That's like exactly. We're getting to that though. That's that that's, like, that's that's the important reaction, by the way. Because during because during this period, like peasants would you know like they would go to their local lord if they were on hard times and hope that he would like give them some table scraps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So and and I also think too in reading this, it's possible um, that they were either paid to make these remarks by by someone maybe. You know the the Duke the of Brittany, John the Sixth, or that they had hoped that if they had sort of testified against him, that they would get some sort of compensation for the death of their alleged children. Because if you're like a peasant in France at this point, I think outside of baptismal records and things like that, there's not many records of like your your actual like family. So you can claim that you had a child and then that child like disappeared. Jesus. And then get like a get like a payment for it. Well, he's not he's not here right now. I lost him in Agincourt. So we're in England now. I thought we were in France. I don't know. <laughs> on, on October twenty third, fourteen forty, um, the secular court hears the confessions of of Gill's bodyguards, um, Poitou and Henriette. Um, and they're contempt- and then condemns them to death. Um, and it's likely that their confessions were given under torture, um, that they claimed to be party to what Gil was doing, and they, they sort of verify it. Um, on October 25th, 1440, um, Gil de makes a confession to his crimes, um, and he is sentenced to death. Um, he likely does this um, to avoid excommunication. Like, he, he agrees to make a confession, and this is under the grounds that he's not excommunicated. Um, and because um, Gilderay, despite his sort of reputation that he gains in, in sort of his demise, was very pious, and he wanted to be buried um, at the church of the monastery of Notre Dame de Cons in, in Nantes. And, and upon giving his confession, he's allowed to be buried there. So he wants to be buried at a church. He doesn't want to be excommunicated. Because if you're excommunicated in the Catholic Church at that time, like you can't, can't go, go to, to heaven. heaven. Yep. And he's he basically have, doing like a deathbed confessional. And, and then also, T, you have to remember, he spent a good deal of his money like building a church. Like, I, I doubt if this guy was like hard up on like Satanism, he would be like putting all this money into building a like a super fancy church for the Catholic Church. True. On October 26, 1440, Gil and his men are hung. Um, the hanging sort of begins at 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, Gil is said to have uh, addressed the crowd piously and exhorted his men to, to die bravely and think of salvation in their last moments. Um, and, and then Gil requests that he is to be the first to die. At 11 o'clock, um, Gil is hung. Um, and as he's hung, brush under him is lit ablaze. Um, so that as he's like hung and his neck snaps, um, they cut the rope from the gallows and then his body sort of falls into the flames that is consumed by it. 
Good God, they um, went all out on him. Four four noble women um, prepare um, his the, his remains for burial. Um, they collect his sort of ashes and his um, bones and other remains. Um, his men die in a similar fashion, um, although they're reduced entirely to ashes. Um, it, it's likely when Gil was burned that they didn't let him burn down to ashes, that there were still some bone fragments left. Right, so after Gil is, is sort of executed, um, the Duke of Brittany takes all of his titles and remaining holdings, and then he issues them out to his people. So I've seen it written, you know, that the Duke of Brittany, um, even though he was nominally, like, allied with Gilderay, he was somewhat jealous of Gilderay, and that um, he, he spares no time in taking Gil's holdings um, when Gil dies. Which is it, more to the point This is there's a question of his guilt. This is, like, also, like, straight up, like, Crusader Kings 2. Like, if someone commits a crime to you, like, half the fun of, like, once you, like, imprison them and execute them is you get to take all their stuff. Isn't that, like, (laughs) isn't that always the case? (laughs) That's what I thought. Well, normally, like, in, in, like, a, a succession sort of scenario where, say, like, if the Duke of Brittany didn't take Gilderay's titles, when Gil dies, they would all go to his daughter, um, Marie. Uh, okay, I guess I see what you're saying then. So, but by taking them, they don't go uh, along his line of succession or to his family members. They go straight to the Duke of Brittany. And a lot of times, too, that if you have, like, a title and there's nobody in your line of succession, um, unless somebody steps in, that title, like, no longer exists. I would have thrown a hissy fit if I was his daughter and he took all that um, the Duke took all that one, shit. One... One note I thought was funny that I saw on the Wikipedia page, which is at the bottom, and it was under, like, the notes, was that um, several years after Gil's death, his daughter Marie had a stone memorial erected at the site of his execution. Over the years, the structure came to be regarded as a holy altar under the protection of St. Anne. Generations of pregnant women flocked there to pray for an abundance of breast milk. The, the memorial was destroyed by rioting Jacobins during the French Revolution in the 18th century. Turns out that oh uh, that demonic uh, turns you know, out killing turns a lot out it works. Fucking kids. It generated really... the breast milk that Gilly DeRay so covered. It helps you lactate. Yeah, he was a big breast milk guy. That was his fetish. He Apparently, was... the Jacobins weren't really appreciative of a of a child serial killer having a monument. He was just like, uh, was it Coolio from Making the Pan? And that, like, Dave Chappelle skit? Oh my god. <laughs> Coolio? Breast fine, milk, it, you it, made my P. day, yay. Yeah, it was P. Diddy, yeah. Go give me the bub glass of the finest Cambodian breast milk. <laughs> I need a sugar cookie from Queens. <laughs> uh, shut the studio down. So there's there's still some debate as whether or not Gil was guilty or innocent. Um, one of the things too is that the claims against him are hard to corroborate. Um, no bodies were ever found, which is if he was like murdering. Because yeah, he burned them. Well, even if you burn them, he, like you have to have pretty hot fire to like get rid of all the remains. There's still going to be yeah. like bone fragments and stuff. Yeah, it takes like an amazingly hot fire. I mean, we cremate people nowadays. Yeah, but that's like in a modern like furnace with like like a hot flame. 
Yeah, there's the, these are two. These are three douchebags trying to raise a demon in the 1400s. This is, this is three, three guys stooges, failing yeah. three to raise a does demon. Cremation. Failing yeah, to raise exactly. a demon. They're they're doing every night. They're doing like the fire from the end of Return of the Jedi with like a bunch of dead children. You know, like Artists in a pile of wood. School. Like they. It's like three men in a boat, but instead of three men in a boat, it's three men crucifying children and burning them to summon a demon in a boat. Three house. men in a crematorium. Yeah. <laughs> so, and a lot of the the sort of accusations, as I mentioned, of the abductions are mostly hearsay. Right. There's it, nothing to back it up. I think I've had this discussion before. Yeah. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on, but I, I would hope not. <laughs> I think that the well, no, I mean, how the fuck? I have no connection to it. But I, we, you know, the thing is, is that Gilly DeRay is um, there's a character oh, in an Gil. anime that old Gills in an anime now. He's gonna make Funimation money. He's a uh, <laughs> he's in he's Fate in an Zero. anime. And he's in—it's called Fade Zero, yeah. And he's—he's he's like a summoned heroic spirit, and—and and it's really interesting because, like, honestly, I had never heard of him until then. I've heard of Bluebeard, but it's not really related. Um, and then you look it up, and you're like, my God, they chose like the darkest possible figure for this character, and it fit what they were well, going for. Well, the well thing- here's my other question though: was nothing ever? Um, uh, like, was he never even a hundred percent? This is evidence that he killed at least a few kids. There was, there was never really any evidence other than the sort of accusations that were made against him and the confessions yeah. that they made. Think about it. Too, lie, I read the Wikipedia page. I'm not and I was like, That's some him. dark shit to make up. It's um, it, well, exactly. That's that's the whole point. Is like, what would you make up in the 1400s if you had a spendthrift shitball? of a rich French marshal who was just annoying the shit out of you and pissing you off and there was political reason to kill him. Well, this yeah, is also just, the just Catholic Church. On the question. Yeah, <laughs> also the Catholic Church, one of the most unscrupulous piece-of-shit organizations to ever exist. And they freaking, they, you know, the organization itself is just awful. And they've right, done so way worse stuff. You can't swat him. You can't get him swatted. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we thought we were gonna swat him, but you know he wasn't on Twitch. <laughs> we were gonna home we were gonna plant the gun on him and then have them like bust in and shoot him like out of something out of the wire, but it didn't really you know uh, work out. Couldn't yep. get in touch with David Simon. So we uh, we, we talked to, talk to this Italian guy uh, Proletti, and he he just told us some like weirdo ritual shit, and we just we just threw that in there, just peppered it in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I actually read about, and it's in the Wikipedia page, but I actually read about his potential innocence when I was reading. Now, don't quote me because I read more about him because I'm a lore whore, so if I get interested in something or somebody, I'll, like, go nuts and I don't remember where I read shit. No, by all means. But uh, Alistair Crowley uh, is, he's in the Wikipedia article, is credited with um, essentially getting involved in the fact that he wasn't guilty of the crimes that he went after. Yeah, but but he's he's just like Murray. He's an he's, asshole. He's full of yeah. shit. Yeah, like, Alistair Crowley's an asshole. Great like, book, by the way. Like Alistair Crowley's an asshole. <laughs> like like Margaret Murray, like she's she's completely full of shit. Like none of her stuff like checks out because like Margaret Murray was is she's very big in or say she was very big into this um, what's called the witch cult hypothesis. Yep. And she she speculated that there was like this massive like pagan 
like witch cult that existed yeah. throughout like Western Europe, but none of it is like corroborated. It's all just sort of like nonsense that she made up. Um, and it and it sort of like goes into this whole thing about like like modern like Wicca and all that, like where they'll claim that they that they have sort of this lineage that goes back to ancient times of like this witch cult. Um, but a lot of that's just sort of a modern invention. See, my thing about Crowley is he was he was smart, but he was also there's that book which I I really want to do an episode on that is uh, Secret Agent Six Six Six. The fact mm-hmm. that Alistair Crowley was a British intelligence agent and that his whole thing is basically just a, a fucking work essentially, like his entire almost his entire persona is a work. But um, yo, we could do an entire episode just on Crowley. Oh yeah, it's fantastic, fantastic amount of like weird, interesting stuff. But um, um, yeah, no, that's why I heard about Gilly DeRay being potentially innocent, and I was like, you know, you look into some of the the stuff that he was accused of, and we we in the modern time we know the the depths of depravity that like humankind is capable of. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen we've seen and read and heard about stories that are just unfucking believable. But I I think. In the 1400s, your average person didn't even didn't even go there most of the time mentally, and that yeah, like, like you, I, if, I don't think they could comprehend oh. the the evils that we could comprehend nowadays. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. the the thing though is like with the way they describe the rituals, like that just sounds like descriptions of like magical rituals from like books. It does. I just I just think that like they didn't actually like do any of that. Because there's no evidence, and like in, a, in medieval times, just like you know, like Elizabeth Bathory, like even if you're a noble person and she had like a full entourage and didn't have the financial issues that Gilda Ray had, like you're you're gonna be able to like find evidence pretty easily. Yeah, they they also, knew it's, what it's she so- did. It sounds like it's something that was written by some Christian mom in the 80s during the Satanic exactly. Panic, you know? Almost like a D&D kind of thing in the 80s thing, you know? Because I not like even Satanic D&D, Panic. D&D gets written well. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean the, um, the hell's that called? The sa- Satanic Panic? Yeah, the Satanic Panic. Yeah, with D&D where they were, like, accusing them of demonology. And you, and you, oh, okay. and you, you have to remember too that when the Duke of Brittany like goes like sort of orchestrates this, if you if you sort of follow that theory, um, Gilderay was at his like weakest. You know, he was bankrupt. Um, yeah. He couldn't get rid of his he couldn't get rid of his lands or whatever. So the, the Duke of the Brittany decided to like take time. him out. Yeah, it was the perfect time to go after the guy. He was at his worst end. He had a Couldn't bunch of tax, fucking... Man. And think about it. Think about the, like, what is the... I forget the quote. Uh, I hate when I can't think of the quote. But basically, you know, if you want to know what somebody did, look what they gained from it. I can't yeah. remember the exact quote. Look, but look, basically, look to those who profit. Yeah, look to yeah. Who, who profits from it. And the person who accused him profited immensely from it. It wasn't even a little profit. They confiscated tons of land and all kinds of fucking money. Yeah, that's craziness. I mean, he didn't have any, like, liquid money, but he had lands. Yeah, he had. He didn't have any liquid assets, but he did have, you know, holdings. He had land. Land is just as good as money. And then better. And then, too, like I said, he, he gets associated with the fairy tale of Bluebeard, but, like, right. Bluebeard doesn't really match up to him because, like, Bluebeard is... Um, He's not a child murderer. He commits the crime of... I, I didn't know this until today, but it's called... Um, 
Uxura side? What U X U X O R I C I D E, and Uxura it's when side. it's when a husband like murders a wife. Wow, man! I'm because like that. the thing about Bluebeard is, I mean, I'm not gonna that, like, kill my wife. I'm saying I'm gonna. I'm going to use that word. I mean, I feel like they could come up with a better word, like, because if you kill your child, it's infanticide. Apparently, it's like, it's based on, like, Greek. If you kill your mother, it's matricide. It's patricide if you kill your father. Like, I can't understand why they just make it an easier word. Well, I think... I think Uxo <laughs> is, like... Well, you know, Ryan, the problem is is that the term wife-aside sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you see the problem. I, mean, I feel like you could do like spouse side or something like that. Yeah, spousey well, side. But well, then you don't Uxor know who got killed. U U X O R Uxor in Latin means wife. Ah. So so what if it's to kill one's wife? But what if it's two guys that are married and he kills his partner? Like I said, I feel like spouse side could be just way better. I think that's. I, think it's I love this. Side. I love this part, though. By the way, just to get, just to get back on the point, that he was retried in a media event in France. It's matricide if you kill one's husband. Yeah, I was I was going to mention that that in 1992. Sorry. Um, in 1992, the the Brittany Board of Tourism, um, because they want to sort of drum up uh, more more sort of um, publicity for Gilderay because he's sort of a draw to, to tourism in Brittany. Um, they, they commissioned this guy named Gilbert um, uh, Pro 2 to, to write a book about Gilderay. Um, and then so I, I guess when they when they sort of got this guy to like write the book, they probably assumed that he would just, you know, like write a book about Gilderay being a serial killer and it'd just be like clear cut, like write him a check and then he would um, the book would like get people to come to Brittany but what happens is is that he under his like research he sort of decides that Gilderay is innocent and before he's done finishing the book he meets up with this Freemason named uh, Jean-Yves Goet Brissonnier um, who's the Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of France and oh they organize a self-proclaimed court consisting of former French ministers of parliament, um, current parliament min- uh, members, and UNESCO F- hey. experts to re-examine the source material and evidence available at the medieval trial. Let me stop you right there. Basically, last I think last episode we were talking about how my brother is a Freemason. I got corrected. He is a 32nd degree Freemason in Scottish Rite. 33rd degree is a honorary degree. It's, it's like not the, really. It's like it's the five really star general Freemasons. It, it yeah, only happens exactly. under special occasions. Exactly. So anyone who says they're a 33rd degree Freemason, it can be independently verified. So, like, people don't go around saying it very often, pretty much, because it's super rare. Anyway, correction noted. So a, a team of lawyers, writers, and politicians led by this this author, they preside, o- preside over by the judge, uh, Henry uh, Jorimay. They find that Gilda Ray is not guilty. Um, not guilty. And then, it, this is sort of a note yeah, a that's Freemason in the Wikipedia in article about it that I thought was funny, is that the initiator, um, none of the initiators was a, his, was a medieval historian by profession. 
In addition, none of them sought professional advice from certified medievalists, because apparently there are a number of medievalists who still stick to the fact that, like, Gilderay was, like, a serial killer. Um, though they don't exactly agree with, like, the methods he, like, the reasons why he did it or, or, or stuff like that, they, they still think that, you know, he killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, why I said I'm not going to die on that hill. But I just think that uh, when I read it, it was so compelling that of an argument. Because there's very limited information, but the amount of information we have is not small either. There, there's, there's a woman who has a website, and it's called Gilda Ray Was Innocent. Like, it's Gilda get, Ray Was get Innocent. Get the fuck out of here. Dot blogspot.com. And I actually found this through some, like, research. And she's, like, a big proponent. She has a self-published book on Amazon. Her name's uh, Margot uh, K. Juby. And her book's titled The Martyrdom of Gilda Ray. And she's a big oh proponent God. of Gilda Ray being innocent. A big one? She wrote a fucking book. And uh, apparently, the, I think this book, from, from what I saw was like 230 pages she's it's 334 pages and she's oh, um, she's a self-published author I'm, she, I'm she's an english author amazon. the the book is uh 12 pounds on amazon on amazon.co.uk i didn't see if it's available on the um it, it the is one it is but it's got prime shipping i can get it by wednesday for free but she is um <laughs> she she's a very big proponent of like gilda ray being innocent and, like, she does make some very good arguments, and I kind of mm-hmm. agree that, like, Gilda Ray was probably set up, but I can kind of see, like, how money-shy, like, Gilda Ray was. I can see him sort of coming into the company of some, like, very unscrupulous, like, alchemist, like, just trying to, like, at his wit's end, you know, trying to get a payday loan from a demon. <laughs> Western Sky Financial. Yeah, <laughs> there is a demon. <laughs> that two hundred twenty-five percent interest loan. Just have to kill two hundred children, and or six hundred <laughs> children, or somewhere in that neighborhood. And if you do that in a real weird way, you'll get money for your play. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> what a ridiculous. Seriously, like, how ridiculous is it that? I'm sorry. The whole story just makes no sense to me, like, logically, but I I won't die on the hill. I'll say that in the 1400s, I think it would be very possible for a person of means to be a sick freak. Well... Because uh, in, ni- in the 2000s, it's a very fucking likely to be a sick freak, you know? Because yeah. the whole thing with yeah. Gilly DeRay is basically that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself in jail. <laughs> <laughs> My... My my sort of take. That's it. We're done. We're done. That's it. That's the end. Cut it. <laughs> Cut it. My my sort of take on like Gilda Ray being accused of these crimes is that Gilda Ray was a pretty like he wasn't like the most important man in France at that time, but he was like a very high up there, and that if you were gonna get away with like killing him, because even though like Brittany is not directly under the French crown. The, the mm-hmm. Duke of Brittany still has to answer to the French king. Mm-hmm. Like, that's still his boss at the end of the day. And so yeah, he has to have something land, good. Right? If he's going to fuck over Gilda Ray, he needs something good. So he needs some quality material that he can just sort of show. And he has the Catholic Church backing him up. Like, he, like, because Gilda Ray, you have to remember, you know, he threatened that one priest 
that that sort of helped ruin his credit you know he goes after him and, and that sort of sours the catholic church to him mm-hmm. so the 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 king of france is not as willing to you know sort of lay himself out to sort of protect gilderay if all these like heinous accusations are made against him and they get all these common folk to go for them yeah so so i think that sort of goes into it that like gilderay's crimes are sort of made out to be so heinous not because they were heinous but because they had to be heinous for the duke of Brittany to get away with you know like killing gilderay Hmm. All right. Yeah, exactly. There's no way to kill a guy of that. That's another evidence for his uh, potential innocence or potential setup, you know. Um, I also think that it's very possible, like you said, that he was doing some weird shit. Uh, I just don't think... I think maybe they had, like, a bite on something that he was trying to do, and... uh, and he didn't actually do it to that level. Same thing with, like, the D&D thing. Because mm-hmm. it's not like men have just started being weird about, like, fantasy well, and shit like that. Well, all the, all the satanic D&D stuff is, like, completely made up. Like, like the well, one story, like, the, the mazes and monsters, like, movie premise, like, about the guy that, like, that he, like, disappeared or whatever, you know, where they made the movie starring Tom Hanks. Right. Like... That was all just that the the kid was gay, and that his like family wouldn't accept that he was gay, and that he oh, like no. ran, that he like ran away from home, and then the parents just said, "Oh, it was that D and D that did it to him. It wasn't because you know we didn't accept our gay son." Right. But like with that, like the possibility of like Gilderay being like a homosexual, like that that could be true because. Like, he only had a daughter. Like, I, I didn't read anything about, like, there wasn't any, like, things written about him, like, trying to have multiple children and failing. Um, usually at this time, you know, since there's no birth control, like, there's a good chance that, like, every time you have sex, you're going to conceive a child. And then if you're a noble person, like, especially if you're only, like, that the only, like, child you have is a daughter, like, you want to have a male heir because male heirs like they get all the good stuff and they carry on the name unless you can unless you can secure a matrilineal marriage for your daughter which i don't even think is possible under salic law like you want to keep pumping out children until you get a boy yeah you want to keep shooting you want to keep reloading and shooting and and even if you don't have a male heir like you want to have children because children are sort of like a capital you can use in trading with other families because they're like oh well you know, oh, you have a child. <laughs> you have a child, and they're not married. I have a child, and they're not married. Like, let's make a deal. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, this this is why you suck at Crusader <laughs> Kings too, Steve. I do suck at that game. Yeah, that's true. I like it too. I really like the. I think I like the idea of the game more than anything else. You know. I think I'll stick with Age of Empires. <laughs> well, it's a god, slightly different Starcraft. fucking game. <laughs> that's what misses Starcraft. <laughs> Imagine if in Age of Empires you had to know exactly whose cousin you were fucking to generate the right missile technology. Oh man. It'd be difficult. It'd well, be impossible. Steve, it's easy because you just look at the stats and you're like, oh, this one has some good traits. Get I the fuck out of here with your logic. <laughs> <God damn. laughs> 
Oh, I just anyway. want to have a sloped forehead. Let me next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this man. goes to that Kate Beaton comic about how like how like where the the father's marrying off his son and he's like he's like we all have to do it. It's like we don't want to do it. He's like I could have had so many beautiful cousins. So many. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway. So that's about it, then? That's about it for Gilly Day Ray, right? So like, on that he's note. an anime guy who died because he killed 600 kids and the Catholic Church wanted his house. Or he killed 600 kids and the Catholic Church killed him because he killed <laughs> he 600 kids and they could get his house. So it was fine. That was either uh, way. He's a shitbird, and that was Mindhunter season negative six hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what the fuck is Mindhunter? You never seen Mindhunter on Netflix? No. Oh man, nah, that's dude. a show for it's, you to watch. It's the show. It's the show about the first like FBI psychological profilers. Oh, uh, it's I pretty watch good. That. That yeah, it's really they, good. They do go into um, David. Is it? It's not David Kemp. Um, David Koresh? David... Nope. nope. Kemp is the last name, I believe. I think I'm, I might be fucking Sean this all Kemp? the way up. It's Richard Kemper. I mean, Sean Richard Kemp. Kemper. Sean Kemp posterized a couple people in the 90s. I'm about to say, Sean Edmund, Kemp put his Edmund nuts on people's in the 90s. It was, <laughs> I love the Super Sonics. It was yeah. Edmund Kemper. And, Edmund Kemper, that's what it and is. It's, it's kind of interesting, too, and they, they sort of show it in the second season when they go talk to him, because he's in the chapel recording. Um, but Edmund Kemper narrated a bunch of audiobooks in the in the 60s and 70s because back in those days the people who narrated audiobooks were mainly prisoners really that's interesting so he's he's like a friend of mine she said she found a list of all the audiobooks he narrated but he he narrated a bunch of them that's crazy and with that prison audiobooks prison audiobooks well, well done. Our time's up. See you all later. See you next time. Later. <laughs> <laughs>